All right, let's get into this word. All right, so today we're going to open up with a new teaching uh, titled Not Ashamed. Not Ashamed. And, and it's uh, so interesting uh, when uh, Natalie was teaching, she was teaching uh, Not That Deep and how she had multiple conversations with various friends. And again, it was just repeated. Well, you know, and it's not that deep. You know, it's, you know, it's just not that deep. You know, I was, uh, was listening to a, uh, I guess it's a podcast from, uh, I believe it's Apologia is the name of the church, but I was doing a podcast and they was talking to a gentleman and he was breaking down, uh, what is it? I guess it's, I, I don't know what they title it. I don't, but it was, uh, it could be homosexual church or whatever. And so they were just walking them through the scriptures, you know, Leviticus, uh, uh, I believe it's 18, you know, says uh, a person shouldn't lie, you know, a man shouldn't lie with a, a man as if they're a woman, right? And so they were just breaking some things down. So the guy was uh, communicating to him and almost, you know, well, it probably didn't really mean that, you know, it meant something else. So these guys actually, their response to him was the word. Everything they said was the word, but they weren't, they weren't uh, attacking. Um, you know, it was letting them know how much they love them and love them enough to give them the truth. Um, you know, and making sure he doesn't lead anybody into anything that's not truth. And so he's just walking through, you know, they were just walking through the words. So I thought that was big. Um, but a lot of times when people respond, it's not that deep because they don't want to go that deep because you go that deep, you got to find the truth. And when you find the truth, it doesn't, it doesn't take away our love for people. It actually is our love for people. When you love people, you want to give them the truth, you know. And, and, and the tough part is just like people have committed to things, and so they're defending what they've committed to. Uh, and it's it's kind of hard to maybe accept them sometimes when maybe we've gone down the wrong path. You know, we missed it. Well, sometimes when you find out people you care about are going down the wrong path, it's hard to tell them the truth because you don't want to mess up how we've been flowing. You know what I'm saying? Or, or what's already been established. And, you know, once this truth comes out, it may stretch some things. It may challenge some things, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, it may mess up that false peace and you don't want to mess up, you know, that false peace. Or do you? Because the reality is eventually the truth is coming, right? And normally the best time to share the truth is when you realize the truth. <laughs> you know, we can't play like it was the old soap operas where they're probably still doing it now, where they carry a lie for like seven years. You, know, you go away, come back. They still ain't tell them, you know, but the, the premise is, well, you don't want to tell them the truth because you, you don't want them to be hurt, this, that, and the other. No, nah, well, let them get hurt today and be free tomorrow, okay? Let them be hurt today, be free tomorrow, you know. You know, you know sometimes I adopted the philosophy. I was at a car dealership, not dealership, rental place, and I dropped off the car, and, you know, so, you know it was Sunday I was dressed, so the guy says, so you dressed up? I said, yeah, I was at church. And so he said something. He says, yeah, well, you know, I really don't believe in all that. I said, I said, I don't think you want to have this conversation with me. 
He said, no, 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 no. He says, you know, I just believe different. I said, before I open my mouth, are you saying you want to have this conversation with me? Because now once I start talking now, you can't, you can't get defensive. You can't get offended because you opened the door for this conversation. And I, I was in a rush, but I'm never in a rush for the truth. <laughs> and so we started talking. But as we started talking, he didn't want to talk about that right now. And, and this is the thing, like, like, for me, I'm not really against nobody. I'm not. I'm for God. No matter what, no, I'm for God. So, so as we start talking about not ashamed, um, we're going to discover if we're really for God or not. Right? If we're really, really for God. You know, Terrence uh, walked us through during his teaching because his teaching was, are you ashamed? Which is which, like the whole week, I was just like, oh, y'all just really getting into all the messages. But are you ashamed? So he went into Genesis 2.25 and Genesis 3.7. Just a quick audible. I thought it was good because one of them said they were naked and unashamed, totally exposed, hiding nothing. So let me ask you something. When you're hanging around your family and your friends, are you totally exposed? Okay, let me ask you something else. Is your Christ totally exposed? Are you unashamed? Right? Or are you watering it down? Or are you dismissive? Because they're, they're, they're going to they're gonna flow how they flow. Are you flowing how you flow? Are you the same person around them that you are in this, this building right here? But cinema, you 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 checking to make sure you trying to get some confirmation from your sister. Pretty legit, right? Pretty legit, right? <laughs> Just making sure, right? Right. So so I, so now in Genesis three seven it said that they they after they ate of the apple after they was disobedient after they didn't follow the authority, right? After they they it said that they knew that they were naked, right? And they hid themselves. That means they were ashamed. So shame is a result of sin. That's when we start hiding, right? And hiding stuff. And uh, Natalie also talked about, you know, we used the lake on Sunday. But she talked about how a lot of times we're in surface relationships. So when people say it ain't that deep, they're saying stay on the surface. Right, stay on the surface. The deeper we go, the more truth we're going to tap into. Right? Um, so the assumption is that everyone is just on the surface like us. So when a person is on the surface, the assumption is everybody's on the surface. You know, so, you know, so, so it's like when they say it's not that deep or you're going too deep or you're too deep, too deep for who? Not deep enough for Christ. Right? Um... And I, I, I thought about Jamal when he was asked a question at the, uh, the gathering or whatever, and he started talking about the Lord. And, and his boss was intrigued that he started talking about the Lord. So he mentioned Jesus in front, in front of his boss. And so you'd be surprised. I, I, was in a, uh, I worked, at, uh, worked in corrections for a while, so I worked in group homes also. And so they hired me in, and actually how I got hired, I didn't want the job because I was a certified employee with the state of Ohio, secure job, couldn't be fired. 
And they, they asked me to come in for an interview, didn't want to go. Lord told me to go to the interview, so I'm, I'm shaking like, no, Lord, I can't take a cut in pay. They don't have family benefits. Like, like don't do this to me. I'm, I'm, I'm not single. I've done that plenty of times with single. Like, I took a job and took less pay and told them after 90 days, let's reevaluate because I've never worked a job before. Well, I could, you could do that when you're single, you know, but I'm married. I got a family. So I said, well, I know. So I'm going to be obedient, but I'm going to go in and I'm going to start talking about Jesus. I know they ain't going to hire me if I start talking about the Lord. And so that's what I did. Most of the conversation I was talking about, you know, you know, Lord, I'm in ministry, this, that, and the other. So I walked away. It was like, okay, I was obedient. Go to the interview. They ain't giving me this job. The lady runs out and hands me an application. I was like, man. And so uh, then God told me to take the application back. You know, make a long story short, they actually paid me more than I was making, and they created family benefits for me. Uh, but I was always intrigued as to why they hired me. And I was talking about the Lord. Well, there was a consultant in there. The consultant was a Christian. When I walked out of the interview, he said, you better hire that man. Now, within the first week or two, the guy walks into uh, the group home. We're rearranging furniture and stuff. He said, man, it seems like the presence of God is in here. And so while we're arranging stuff, uh, the, the, the place was, I, I was just, you know, I was just always praying and stuff. So, so there's a bookshelf. I'm walking by the, I'm walking, I'm taking a step to walk by the bookshelf. The director is there. She's, she's female. She's director. She's kind of more of a, uh, kind of hippie-ish, you know, you know, like Woodstock-ish. If y'all know what that is, you know, back in the seventies, you know, it was like peace and, you know, stuff like that. So, so I took a step and, and the Lord had me say, Jesus loves you. When I stepped on the other side of the bookshelf, she broke down crying. Now, but suppose I'm not talking about Jesus. Yeah, they called me in the office. They says, well, you know, you're doing a great job, but we just have one complaint. Uh, are you forcing Jesus on the kids? Because I did what they call positive peer culture groups or normative culture groups. Basically, I did what we do around here. I just did open discussions, old school. We call it rap sessions, right? Um, and I said, uh, not, not forcing Jesus. I said, but in our institution, you know, we're there to teach the kids. We teach the kids based on our experience. And so when they ask questions, we give them the answers based on our experience. I said, so when they asked me about the Lord, I talked to them about the Lord. They asked me about sports. I talked to them about sports. Asked me about science. I talked to them about science. But as far as forcing them, nah, I said, I share from my experience. Okay. Nobody really could say nothing because it was true. And plus, they really didn't want to lose me. Uh, give you another scenario. I was working in corrections, and uh, I was wondering why I never got promoted. I had more, more experience than most of the people there, so I figured after a while, you're good, they promote you. Go in, I'll do my job, and I'm waiting for somebody to just come. Every time a position comes up, oh, they're probably going to get that to me. You know, because they put me in a worse unit, and it turned out to be the calmest. So I'm like, surely they're going to promote me. So uh, a guy comes up to me and said, Keith, uh, how come you don't apply for these positions? I said, well, I figured you're good. They promote you. He said, Keith, people need to know you're interested. I said, okay. So I applied. I got the credentials, filled out the application. 
Well, you had to qualify for an interview when you worked for the state of Ohio. So I didn't get an interview. So now I'm stuck now. I'm like, I know I'm more than qualified for the job. How come I didn't get an interview? So I go talk to the superintendent. I say, I'm lost. Why didn't I get an interview? He says, let me pull out your application. I'm not supposed to do this. He says, well, according to your application, based on what you told me, you got all these skills. How come it's not on your application? I said, it's all filled. He said, well, you can add an addendum. I said, who knows that? So I added the addendum, makes a long story short, I get the interview. I'm, I'm in the interview with the deputy superintendent. They said, well, we've went around the institution and everybody says you do an excellent job. Just one problem. They said, you read your Bible too much. I said, oh, wow. I said, I thought, I thought you was going to tell me I had riots on my unit. My unit wasn't cleanly. Uh, the kids was out of control. I'm not following protocol. You said, they said I read my Bible too much. Oh, well, while they watching movies, I read the Bible. While they working out, I read the Bible. While they, while they on the, reading the sports section, I read the Bible. I said, yeah, but I read the Bible. I just choose to read the Bible, but I'm, you haven't heard any reports that I wasn't doing my job, have you? She was like, no. And I could see her flustered a little bit because I think she thought I was going to defend it. But I did. Didn't lose my job, and actually I got the promotion. What am I saying? I'm not ashamed. I carried my Bible everywhere I went back then. You know, now we got stuff on the phones. But I always had a Bible. My wife would tell you, that Bible I was teaching out the other day, that's the Bible I carried around. Because any time I had a break, you know, while the kids was locked up and we was waiting for them to come out, I'd go off in the corner and read my Bible. Guys be talking about sports, I'd read my Bible. One guy said, he said, I noticed you was always reading your Bible. He said, and you were talking about eventually you would leave this institution. And, you know, a lot of times people get stuck in institutional jobs for 20, 30 years. And I said, well, I'm not going to be here long. I was always telling him I'm not going to be here long. He says, but you was always going off in the corner reading your Bible, Brian Robinson. And he said, uh, and I noticed you was gone. No, this wasn't Brian Robinson. This was Jose Smith. So Jose said, I noticed when you left, Brian started reading his Bible off in the corner. Shortly, he was gone. After he left, Rodney Rutledge started reading his Bible off in the corner. Then he left. So you know what I started doing? I started reading the Bible off in the corner <laughs> because you guys did it. So you never know how you can impact people when you represent what you represent, right? All right, so let's go to Romans 1.16. Familiar scripture. Uh, my wife kind of quoted it this morning in her exhortation. Because that, 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 listen, in a dictionary under not ashamed is a picture of Melanie Bradley. And you'll find out when we get into this teaching. And most of the stuff we're talking about, she breathes. She's an inspiration to me as far as not being ashamed. It's so interesting, though. There's things that she doesn't, like, as we were coming out, she's like, uh, well, that's embarrassing. I don't want nobody to think that. So like everyday life stuff, you know. Wow, I don't want anybody to think that. She tells you a story about the, the surprise birthday party. She didn't want nobody to think her house was jacked up, right? But when it comes to the gospel, she don't care what you think. <laughs> That's amazing. If I can get some of that and push some of that into it. <laughs> so Romans 1.16, it says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Now why? After the, after the colon, it says this, for it is the power of God unto salvation. You know, that's wholeness, right? 
to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, right? For I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm going to give you this other scripture, Matthew 10.32. Matthew 10.32. And I'm going to read it out of the uh, classic Amplified version. It says, therefore, Matthew 10.32, therefore, everyone who acknowledges me before men and confesses me, out of a state of oneness with me, I will also acknowledge him before my Father who is in heaven and confess that I am abiding in him. Right? Let me, let's, let's look at that real quick in the King James Version. Matthew 10. Thirty-two. It says, "Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven." Right? Look at look at verse thirty-three. It says, "Whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father which is in heaven." Interesting. Right? So it's probably important that we don't. Deny them, right? And deny them could be just like not representing them, being ashamed to express them. Let's go back uh, five chapters to chapter five. Chapter five and Ray, if you could read that for me, I'm playing. I'm just kidding. (laughs) You was about to read it, wasn't you? (laughs) Ready? Read. No, <laughs> that's probably one nice. I'm sorry. Don't. That's just. We just have fun here. Don't take it personal. All right. All right. So. Uh, <laughs> hold on a second. That's not the scripture I was looking for. That's not the scripture I was looking for. Uh, what's the one, uh, let your light shine? Oh, here it is. It's got to be over here. Uh, 16, I'm sorry. Matthew 5, 16. What? <laughs> you ain't right. <laughs> Matthew 5, 16. All right, so that was, that was Gerard saying, does he say ready, read? <laughs> It says, let, let your, got to make sure the crowd, the, the, our viewing audiences participate. All right, it says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven, right? Now, if you go up to verse 14, it says, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a, a hill cannot be hid, Right? It says, neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on, but on a candlestick, and, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. And then it tells us to let our light shine, right? Does that make sense? All right. And uh, Proverbs 418, you can just write it down. You don't necessarily have to go to it. But it says, the path of the just is as a shining light. The path of the just is as a shining light. Always letting that 
that light shine. You know, uh, Stella Marcus was teaching. Marcus uh, coined this phrase. He said, you got fire in your veins. Let somebody see it. You got fire in you. Let somebody see it. Right? I thought that was powerful. Now, to operate in letting this light shine and, and not being ashamed, we're going to be in situations where the adversary who operates on what we talked about on Sunday, manipulation and control, has to figure out ways to back you down or, or for you to uh, dis- be dismissive or for you to be embarrassed about Christ. You know, because he's what? Romans 12 says he's what? The accuser of the brother. So, you know, as you're believing for something, he has to accuse you of not being worthy of what you're believing for. And so he uses the times he set you up with, they don't deserve that. They're not even representing you. You said in your word, if they deny you before men, you have to deny them. So I have all access. You can't stop me from stealing and taking from them, right? So what he tries to do is get you in situations where, yeah, they back you down, you know, they punk you, you know. Or as me and my wife was, she was listening to the little podcast with me. And so what happened is that when when they got to a truth, the guy didn't have an answer. So instead of saying, hey, I never looked at it that way, he created a diversion, as we talked about on on um, Sunday. So remember I had Zamane up here. It's like, you know, well, you did that, you did that. So you trying to put me down. So he just tried to create a diversion. And, you know, he got one of the guys to, he shared his accolades. He got one of the other guys to share his accolades. And then he tried to, to stir things up, you know, because now we're dealing with truth. And so that's, that's it. But I noticed the people that are really, really not ashamed of the gospel, understand the gospel. The Bible says we don't strive with men. They don't strive, you know. You know, even remember when they went into the town, they said, those that receive you, bless them. Those that don't, that's the sand off your feet and move on. So you want to share the truth with everybody, but you don't have to strive or push to share it, right? It's not even necessary. You have the truth. You're offering the truth. People have the uh, first right of refusal. They can receive it or not. Our responsibility is I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm going to share the truth. My responsibility is not to, to, to fight or to wrestle with people, right? Because I'm speaking the truth in what? Love. There you go. All right, we got it. Now, so, so <laughs> let's go to Proverbs 27. Because I said uh, speaking the truth in love. Now, can you challenge somebody, right, can you tell somebody something that may be negative to them and still be operating in love? Good, good, good class. <laughs> this is true. Look here at Proverbs 27. Verse 5. Because, again, I'm not ashamed and I'm around people that I love, but I want to share the truth to them in love, right? Verse 5 says this, open rebuke. Open rebuke is better than secret love, right? It says, faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful, right? So, so again, a person in a moment may feel wounded, but trust me, you gave them the truth. 
You know, one of the things I've, uh, the practices I've had with my grandchildren is I got to do what's best for them. Now, grandchildren will mess you up because they're visiting. <laughs> and this is what, when your grandchild gets older, this is what's going to pull on you. Because they're cute, right? And you have such a bond with them. But then they do something that you got to correct them for. Now, you're only here for the weekend. And I got to use most of my weekend in correcting you. You messing up Papa time. Like, so I, I, may, be, I may have the tendency to go, ah, let's let that go. But I can't let that go because their life is more important than me enjoying myself. So we're in a situation with my grandson. My grandson is the only one that's been spanked by me. I guess that was enough to make sure everybody else was in line. And what happened was I'm in the room. So, so he, this was progressive. I'm in the study. He, they're in the study. Pastor Mel starts talking. He goes, shh. He's like two. Almost like shut up. And I looked. I stopped what I was doing. Come with me. Didn't spank him at that time. Address, he cried. I'm like, man, we're supposed to be having a good time. You messed up our groove. We get through that. We're going out to the, the store. No, we're going to the, the park to have fun, right? We're walking in the street. She's holding their hands. He snatches her hand away from her. Like while we're walking in the middle of the street. I said, babe, uh, I'll, I'll see you guys at the park. Me, me and little Dale, we're going back to the house. <laughs> we go to the house. I only hit him one time with the belt. Once. It's, it's behavior modification. You just can't go to your extreme. Man, that dude cried. Cause she didn't see it. She probably would have made a handle it. That dude cried as if he was about to die. And what I did was, he was on our stairs. I let him sit on there and cry. I went and turned on the TV. I started watching the TV. I said, when you finish crying, when you finish doing whatever you're doing, you can come back and we can talk. And I just watched TV. He was hollering. I ain't go nowhere. I was just watching my little show. So then he came in, said he was sorry, apologized, gave me a hug. I explained to him why he got the lick, and then we went to the park. But guess what? I didn't hit him out of anger. I didn't hit him out of frustration because I probably would have hit him more than once, you know, I, it was out of love, but the love response was a hug. If it was out of frustration and anger, I'm pushing them away. It was just out of my convenience, I'm pushing them away. It was about what was best for him. That's what that open rebuke is. It's what's best for them in that particular moment. What you let go today is going to be kind of hard for you to address tomorrow. All right, we good? Now, okay, so let's let's look here at 2 Timothy. This is one of the this is one of the scriptures we recite in the morning, so this should be good since we we reciting it all the time. <laughs> 2 Timothy 3, verse 16. Y'all should already know where I was going, all right? It says, All scripture is given by what? inspiration of God, in spirit, right? God breathed. It says, and is profitable for what? For doctrine? For what? Reproof. For correction. 
and for instruction in righteousness. So sometimes we may look at the doctrine and may look at the instruction in righteousness, but we'll skip over to reproving people, right? Challenging something that's erroneous or wrong. We'll skip over the correction. No, that's not correct. That's not what God says, right? But see, I can do that in love. You know, sometimes we've been in a public audience and I'll correct things. And of course, we, some people are more uh, empathetic and sympathetic, overly empathetic at times. And they're like, I can't believe he did that. But he wasn't doing it because he was against the person. And he wasn't doing it because he was for himself. He was doing it out of love and correcting a person because if I don't address the erroneous thinking, they're going to keep going down that road. Some people don't think it's necessary because they don't think, it's that deep. All right? But it is that deep. Now, how do we operate in being not ashamed? In love. We operate in love. John 15, 13. Greater love has no man than this. He'll lay down his life for his friend. Now, I've said it many a times that laying down your life is like laying down your like. I've always said, well, I'm going to lay down my like, me being liked, so they can get what they need. You don't help a person's situation at the expense of their life. You don't comfort a person at the expense of their life. You don't pacify a person at the expense of their life. You don't tell people what they want to hear at the expense of their life. Right? See, that's you wanting to be liked and trying to be liked. It should be about what's best for them. Esteem others better than yourselves, Right? Right, so it's about love. First John three ten. I'm just I'm just gonna read it. First John three ten. Three ten. Please write it down so you can study this stuff out for yourself. It says, "In this, the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. Whosoever does practice righteousness is is who whosoever does not practice righteousness is not of God. Nor is he who does not love his brother." Right? And so, so, so again, you love people enough to give them the truth. If you're not practicing righteousness, you're not of God. So a lot of times in this culture, we'll go, well, you know, uh, everybody of, everybody's of God and God loves everybody. That's not what the scripture says. It even talks about the things God hates. But we, have, we try to get around those things. Sowing discord among their brethren. Slowfulness. Right? So everything is not righteous, right? And so, so if I love somebody, I'm going to keep, I want to assist them in being in the right standing with God. So I'm going to tell them what's not righteous. Not as a, I think I'm better than you, but hey, I, I found out something that I want you to have. If you're going to tell them about the sale, how about telling them about what's righteous and what's not, Right? I respect what you're saying, but that's not what the Word says. Now, we have to know what the Word says to do that, right? That's why we're a Bible teaching church, so people can actually know what they're talking about. So when I don't want to take the time to study or read, I'm saying I'm not going to know Scripture. So I'm going to be talking to people based on how I feel, not what I know. One of the things I liked about the podcast today is, they knew scripture. 
So when a person said the scripture, they said, nah, this is exactly what the scripture says. So we have to know scripture if we're going to save the world. Do you care to know, right? So we got to get past our whole, like I said before, our whole how we used to be educationally. And just learn what we can and grow from there, okay? And this is the thing. You want to love people enough to tell them the truth. You want to love them enough to tell them the truth. So Galatians 4.16 says, am I your enemy because I tell you the truth? That's a foundation for my life because I find myself in positions where I have to tell people the truth. You know, some of it is awkward for people. Some Some of it people respect. But what keeps me grounded is, okay, you're, you're responding to me negatively. So I'm your enemy because I'm telling you the truth? I'm trying to free you? Is, okay, no, no, ex- explain now, why are you upset? Did I say something to put you down? Oh, you used the word, I judged you. Now, I didn't pass sentence. I'm telling you exactly what you're doing. I'm not saying why you're doing it. You know, you're never, you're never on time. That's what you're doing. You're never on time because you're trifling, you're no good, you don't care about nobody. I just passed sentence. You see what I'm saying? Two different things. You're afraid of responsibility. That's what you've been doing. Because you don't care about nobody. That's passing sentence. You see the difference? All right. So we kind of, you know, sometimes not only we're not thorough in the, in the word, we're not thorough in English language. You know, that's what, you know, people throw up judgment all the time. And that's what it means, passing sentence. But I can tell you what you're doing. You can explain why if you want. Give me your justifications, your angles, or what have you. But I can tell you exactly what you're doing. And I can tell you the effect it's having. Right? That's not putting you down. Does that make sense? So the Bible says when we share this truth, we're speaking the truth in love. It's not about me. It's about what's going to be best for the other person. I, as I thought about this this week because David loves, loves his wife, Right? So he told her the truth. He, you know, God gave him some information. Some people would have not shared that. This may mess up everything. This may destroy our whole relationship. Because what she's established in the, the, and, and what's impacted her, what she's believed she was using to get through it, God is telling me that's costing us and it's costing her relationship with God. How many people would have shared that? But he loved his wife more than himself. He loved his wife more than the marriage. He feared God more than he feared the repercussions from his wife. So he told her the truth in love. It wasn't about him. So a lot of times when we're not telling people the truth, who is it about? It's about us. I don't want them to be mad at me. I don't want them to look at me silent. I don't want the family to think I'm breaking brand new. That's all about us. There's no love in that at all. And, and I'll say this because I'm a truth guy. 
we got to watch the pacifying our, our family, especially our kids. You free them through the truth. And if you don't do that, you're going to get so frustrated when they betray you, you're going to end up snapping on them because you're going you're gonna to feel that they owe you something because of all you've done. Then you have, I feel guilty because I could have been a better parent. That's our other, that's still about you. Do you know how kids, kids grow in life and they don't make choices and decisions based on just you're spoiling them or you feeling like you owe them something? They make decisions based on their choices in their life. And as a parent, you got to give them what they need for that moment. It ain't got nothing to do with you and what you could have, would have, should have done before. It has, it has something to do with what they need now. We, as we grew in our relationship, you know, I came into my son's life at 14. So I knew I had four years. I, I got the rest of his life. But I had some critical four years before he was going to go out there in the world. And so we would have these discussions because he didn't have a man like me. I'm not saying he didn't have a man in his life. He didn't have a man like me. Like, I showed up as his father, heart to heart. And so I had to tell him the truth. And there were situations I told my wife, I said, I can't help a situation at the expense of his life. Now, I have four years in his early teens to enjoy my son. We can do these things together. We ball together and stuff like that. But I had to interrupt so many moments with, here we go again. I got to give him the truth. Here we go again. I got to get him the truth. And uh, some, at, at, there was a couple of times my wife was like, well, I know why he's doing this. He got this honestly because I should have done this, that, and the other. And, and I remember my response. It wasn't nothing I had rehearsed because I had never been in a situation before. Got it from the Holy Spirit. I said, hey, he has a legitimate reason for doing what he's doing. I have a legitimate reason to give him the truth. Because I have to give him truth independent of how he got to where he's at. It doesn't help him if, if, if we, we, we're so sympathetic because it wasn't his fault. But it still is his responsibility. And this is, why, this is how we cheat kids. See, I know you see the message, I'm not ashamed. And some, some, some people right now, he's like, you're not ashamed. Yeah, it's good because, you know, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Yeah, but it covers everything, even family. It's speaking the truth and love to everybody. You see what I'm saying? Like, you, you can't compartmentalize this thing. So some of us who talk to a stranger in a heartbeat but not, won't say nothing to, to our baby. Crushing them. Is he snoring? <laughs> I'm sorry. I was like, what's that noise? <laughs> it's cool, it's cool. I don't think nobody else here. I just... It's my ears. All right, so <laughs> we'll talk to him about that when he wake up. All right, so leave him alone. We're good. All right, so John 8. Let's go to John 8. Y'all still with me so far? So this, this is, teaching is going to cover layers. I, we have to, I have to speak the truth in love. You got to receive the truth in love. You got to share the truth in love. And you got to recognize where you're not sharing the truth in love. You all right? Layers, right? Some tough conversations, right? Right? We good? Y'all still love me? <laughs> Don't lie now. 
I, you, I used to love you, but after the day, I'm not sure. <laughs> you know, that was up in the air anyway, ever since you told me that one thing. All right, so John 8, 31, it says, Then Jesus said to those Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed in what you're doing, right? So it talks about continuing in the word, right? Verse 32, and you shall know the truth, be intimate with the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Now, I can't be intimate with something I'm running from. I'm going to have to receive it, I'm going to have to embrace it, I'm going to have to marinate on it, and I have to adjust to it, right? And so that's why the, the whole angle of once saved, always saved, that's why it's dangerous. Because you got to ask yourself this question, does once saved free them or free you of witnessing to them? See, because if I, if, I, if I establish the category once saved, always saved, then I ain't really got to, that limits who I have to witness to, right? You know, because if they sniff Jesus, they're like, oh, you, you good, <laughs> right? That's one less person I got to witness to, good. But again, that means I don't have to go deep. I can just stay on the, the, the surface of religion. I don't have to go deep to really discover if you know that you know that you know, if you're sure that you're sure that you're sure, if you're lining up with the word. So I can almost try to speak family members into heaven, right? Because they've done positive things. Or I think I kind of possibly heard them slightly say something about Jesus one day. Well, I did hear them say God. Well, ever since they did this good deed, I know they're going to heaven. Really? Because the scripture doesn't say because you do good deeds, you're going to heaven. But see, that's, that's easier for me. That's less truth, less challenge, less I have to embrace. There's people right now, we've said that's going to heaven and you will not see them there. But that's the truth you don't want to phrase because you was cool with them. They, did, uh, they bought you biscuits, right? Bought you that one outfit, right? You know, nobody else talked to you. They talked to you. That don't get them into heaven either. And you don't know. They could have been the most, most that, you could have been their penance for the last four years of their life. Okay, we good? Titus 2. Titus 2. Now, y'all still got to show up next week. Now, you <laughs> look, look, look. This is part of your fast. <laughs> Remember we said extending the fast? Send your fast to spend more time around the truth, okay? Can we do that? Stretch yourselves. All right, so Titus 2. Might be good if I got to Titus since I was in Timothy. Titus 2, 7, verse 7. It says, uh, in all things, showing thyself a pattern of good works, a pattern of good works. It says, in doctrine, showing uncorruptness, gravity, and sincerity, displaying the cracks, right? It says, uh, sound speech that cannot be condemned, Right? It says that he that is of contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. 
So I'm so thorough in the truth and my, my explanation of the truth, anybody that comes at me, they have no evil thing to say. Like, hey, it's the truth. Now, remember, they, they, they try to challenge the disciples. They say, well, the guy was infirmed. He's healed. What are we going to say? If, if, if we come at him, the guy, we have a notable healing. So the guy says, maybe we just leave him alone. If, 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 if what they're saying is not legit, like the one dude, Judas, something will happen to him. But, you know, let's just scourge him a little bit and send him on their way because we're not going to be able to say anything against them because they've displayed what they're talking about. Uh, let's see, Amplified, classic Amplified, same, same verse. It says, it says, and show, and, and show your own self in all respects to be a pattern and a model of good deeds and works, teaching what is unadulterated, showing gravity, having the strictest regard for the truth and purity of motives with dignity and seriousness. And let your instruction be sound and fit and wise and wholesome, vigorous and irrefutable above censure. Can't be censured so that the opponent may be put to shame, finding nothing discrediting or evil to say about us. That's how we're supposed to be representing the gospel. But I notice we represent other stuff that way. You know, whether it's politics or the latest things that's going on, we fight tooth and nail, sports. But do we represent the gospel with that level of fervor? Remember, that favor my righteous cause, right? So, so again, this is where we should be. That's why we have to, we spend time as disciples learning the word. So we're not talking out of how we feel. People will put holes in that stuff, right? We're really talking based on the word. Now, as, as you start to go through this process of, of not being ashamed, one of the things you'll recognize is the hidden level of shame that you have for the gospel. And you recognize why you're selective as who you invite to church. See, when I'm not ashamed of the gospel, I'm, I'm consistently inviting people to church. I'm looking for opportunities to invite people to church. And as a result, people are following me to church. Right? But you, you'll watch how certain venues, you're so political you know, ain't talking to people about the gospel. Because you're not even finding ways. You know, they have, they have a, a thing, uh, it's a group, a friend of mine, they do something called LifeWise. And they basically research and study that the public schools are supposed to be allowed a time to hear about religion. And so they use that to go into schools and teach religion legally. Well, why, how did they find that out? Because... They looked harder. They looked deeper because it was important to them. So somebody might see this, but it's true. So I did training. Now, now, now I'm, I'm, I'm a professional. And, and I, understand, I understand what cultures is, but the gospel is how I live. And so, so, they, so I did a behavior management training for this company. And 
Basically, the whole thing was the Bible. I just didn't say Romans, whatever, 116 or whatever. I just used scripture. And so when I finished, I, said, I asked the director, I said, is this what you guys are looking for? She says, oh, my God, this is the most powerful thing ever. I basically just preached to them. What I did was I had to figure a way to represent the gospel in what I did. So I said, the Lord said, they, they, don't, they ain't going to know a scripture. They don't even read the Bible. But there's things in your trainings and studies now that are scripture. People just pull something from scripture. I just did it intentional. In your laws and things like that, if you research them, came from the Bible. I just did it intentional. And just like I told you in, in, the, in, the, in the group homes I did rap session, oh, we talking about the Lord. I carried my Bible with me. We talking about the Lord. And I didn't fight. I just, I flipped the script. Because I remember when I first started getting high and stuff, people would be like, you don't get high? When, like when I, when I was trying to hang in there, you know, you go to a period. Well, I went to a period where I was <laughs> not conformed to my culture. You don't get high, you don't drink. But they wasn't mad at me. They wasn't cursing me out. They was just as friendly. Man, come, come on, man, hit this. Man, what's wrong with you? Right? I flipped it. You don't read the Bible? No, you don't read the Bible at all, for real. Nah, you playing. How do you survive out here? Right? Okay, you don't go to church. See, why can't we be the pressure? See, I just flipped the script. I'm balling. I sit down with a guy. He was like, man, I'm about to go get me some 40s and, and, and smoke some weed. It's <sighs> my BC days, man. I can't do that. I was thinking about going to church too. That was his next statement he made. Because I'm the guy that won the game. I'm sitting there. He's figuring this is what's going to approve him in my eyes. No, I told him what was going to improve my eyes. In my BC days, man, I don't do that. I, you know, start living for the Lord. Man, I don't think about going back to church. Guy start cursing. Man, what did, ooh, ooh, did you, did you curse? Kids at the, at the institution cussing. I can't hear you with all that ugly coming out your mouth. The Bible don't say nothing about that. I never even mentioned the Bible. All I said was I can't hear, hear you with all the ugly coming out your mouth. The Bible didn't say that. Colossians 3, 8 through 10. Put all filthy communications out of your mouth. That was my response. But I had to know that word to give him a response. That young man stopped cursing because he heard the word. I kid you not. He didn't curse again. I'm not making it up. Because. He wasn't even living for God, but because he found out it was in the Bible, he operated, responding to the Bible better than some of us do. See, again, we can't be ashamed, right? The Bible says this, he that winneth souls is wise. Proverbs 11.30, he that winneth souls is wise. And so, the way we facilitate this is letting our light shine. Man, I, I, my life is inspired by a lot of the lives in here, mostly all the lives in here. So, I watch the different stages you go through. I watch the changes you go through. 
I watched the, the breakthroughs, the truth. If you have to, you know, recognize you need to forgive, you have to recognize, um, you know, uh, there's adjustments I need to make. I need to be more diligent. Like I watched that. Do you understand that's what changes other people's lives? There's a reason why you're sitting in church. There's a reason why you made the change. Do you understand somebody's going through the same thing? And as soon as you start telling them the why you changed, you're going to trigger in them the same thing. So you, you, it's, not, it's not an individual thing. It's a universal thing. Because Satan only has three ways, lust and flesh, lust of eyes, and pride of life. So it may manifest somewhat different, but it's the same root. So it's not a big deal to share. It shared your experience, but are you ashamed of your experience? Are you ashamed what's bringing you to Christ? Are you ashamed why I can't do it that way no more? Can you sit down with somebody close to you and really walk them through how you really see things and what you really desire in your walk with God? Or is it private? And just have a conversation. Like, I can't, I, 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 I talked to my son one time. I said, the difference between me and you is I don't have a choice. I have to answer to God. I said, you can do what you want to do. You just can't do it in this house. I said, but I have to answer to God. And I wasn't mad at him. I just told him, I said, hey, if you have a vision, I have a vision. That's division. It's not going to work. I said, I do not have a choice. I have to do what God's saying. I, don't have to, I didn't have to get upset. I wasn't upset. He didn't know if I didn't tell him. And there's different things. I play with basketball teams. They go drink. I go home. And everybody knew I was a Christian. But they weren't going to kick me off the team because they needed me. But after a while, they tried to adjust their life to get me to be around them. We won a championship game. I'm leaving. It's like, come on, hang out with us. I said, y'all know I don't drink. They said, we got water for you. Big time thugs in their world. But they were willing to adapt and adjust themselves for me. Why? Because I'm representing the gospel. Call it what you want. We used to worship the, worship the Lord before and after game, uh, win or lose. We weren't playing in the church league. We were playing in the top. We were playing in the semi-pro league. Before we started the games, we lifted our hands, and we had new players would come in. They just wanted to be on the team, but they weren't really all they would go. And you could see their hands like this, you know, because other people was watching. If we was by ourselves, they'd probably have been Okay. But other people was watching. If we didn't practice, they'd be okay. But other, I, would, I would watch them, you know, because I'd be praying. I'd look up to see who was going to lift up their hands, right? Right? But it wasn't no just lift their hands. We were glory to God. Hallelujah. Glory. This is, this is in, this place is packed. They played four games a night. They had pros, top college players. Everybody was there. And we would be the only team. Before and after games, lifting up our hands and worshiping. And I knew someone was ashamed. Get them up. I didn't show up one day. 
One of the players, he was a top college player for Ohio State University. Actually, his son plays in, in, the, in the league right now. When I showed up, they said, just because Rev ain't here, come on, man, we got we to we praise the Lord. Just because Rev ain't here, man, we can't change. Least likely, likely suspect. Do you understand? We got to represent what we say we represent. The scripture says this. It says, come out from among them and be ye separate. Right? 2 Corinthians 6, 17. Come out from among them and be ye separate. Even Jesus said, when I come, I, I, he says, I'm going to show up and I'm going to divide. But see, everything's kumbaya to us. And the thing is, things don't have to be divided. You can help somebody actually receive the gospel. You can speak the truth in love. You can share what you're learning, what you're experiencing. You know, uh, Tia shared something. She said, uh, it's okay to represent Christ. God is always with you. Just represent him. God got you covered. She said this too. If you fit in, you'll never stand out. <laughs> right? And the scripture talks about, uh, in Matthew 9, uh, 37 to 38, it talks about laborers for the harvest. The harvest is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray for laborers for the harvest. It's a harvest out here. If you start doing the research, there's a whole lot less people that believe in Christ as a, as a normal default. You know, when I grew up, it was my culture. There's a lot of people in that culture never even heard about God because it's a liberal culture. I go to Ohio, it's a... It's a uh, foundationally God-based state. It's a God-conscious state. North Carolina, Bible Belt, God-conscious state. Where I was from, it wasn't a whole lot of God-consciousness. You know what I'm saying? So, representing what I represented when I decided to live for God, and I started talking about Jesus. First people, they was questioning, they was looking at me. That's people I'm cool with. That's family members. They've already created certain momentum, and they never was disrespectful. They never was uh, evil to me. So my angle was not telling them the truth because they was evil to me. My angle was telling them the truth because I wanted to see them in heaven, and I couldn't push them in heaven based on I feel they're going to heaven. Because we cool? Do you understand it's not about them being cool with you? It's them being cool with the Lord? So you get to have them cool with you all your life at the expense of the, their eternity? All because you feel like they're going to heaven? And you're ashamed to mess up the false peace because if you start telling them the truth, they may respond different. Isn't their life worth it? Is it? Man, I mean, just—I mean, we really have to think about these things. The scripture says this in Exodus three eighteen through twenty one. Exodus three eighteen through twenty one. Right, and I'm gonna read this out of the uh, Amplified. Exodus three eighteen twenty one. This is how we need to watch what we say. It says, "Look, if I say to the wicked, you shall." 
you shall surely die, and you do not give him, if I say to the wicked, you shall surely die, and you do not give him warning or speak to warn the wicked to turn from his wicked way to save his life, the same wicked man shall die in his iniquity. But his blood will I require your hand. Yet if you warn the wicked and he turn not from his wickedness or from his wicked way, he shall die in his iniquity, but you have delivered yourself. Again, if a righteous man turns from his righteousness, right doing and right standing with God, and, and some gift or, or providence which I lay before him, he perverts in an occasion to sin, he commits iniquity, excuse me, he shall die. Hold on, wait, 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 wait. What does this just say? It said a right, if a righteous man turns from his righteousness, the Bible says a righteous man can turn from their righteousness. I thought it was one saved. Look, he says, and, and turns from some righteousness or some gift or providence which I lay before him, he perverts into an occasion to sin and he commits iniquity, he shall die. Because you have not given him warning, he shall die in his sin and his righteous deeds which he has done shall not be remembered. But his blood I require at your hand. Nevertheless, if you reward the righteous man not to sin and he does not sin, he shall surely live because he is warned. Also, you have delivered yourself from guilt. You see that? It covered the righteous and the unrighteous. Right? So we can't, that, this is what we've been doing sometimes. Sometimes we've been ashamed of people that's, uh, to talk in front of people that's unrighteous and wicked. All right? You know, sometimes it's just tough. I don't know what to say, but the Holy Spirit speak for you. The tougher thing is we've been ashamed to talk to people that we know are not have, are compromising righteousness and talking Christianity. But we don't want to address them. That's blood on your hands. Because even the scripture says, when you share this word, especially to them of the household of faith, Galatians 6.10. See, we have plenty advocates in our culture for the compromise. People advocate for compromise all the time because it ain't that deep or it's no big deal. Nobody's perfect, right? So, so people stand up for causes of compromise. In our culture right now, that's the number one thing. People standing up for causes of compromise. Well, what about the righteous cause? Why isn't it a, a predominant amount of people standing up for righteous cause? Because they're ashamed of the gospel. Want to pacify compromise, but not the covenant. The scripture says in Psalm 35, 27, it says, let them shout for joy and be glad that favor my righteous cause. Yea, let them say continually that the Lord be magnified, which have pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. And my tongue shall speak of thy righteousness and of thy praise all the day long. See the difference? And so we have to challenge ourselves because sometimes we look around, you know, you know, again, in this early stages of our church growth, you know, we look around and we're growing and, and 
and you know, we have a great family together, but we don't want to be like the children of Israel. It was just about them being chosen. No, chosen for what? To go out and bring other people in. We ain't just learning this stuff just to know it. We're learning this stuff to show it and, and, and to, 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 for the harvest of souls. And that's not supposed to just be comfortable. You're not just prospering just so you can have the things you want and travel where you want and do what you want. That's a part of it. But you're prospering to shine a light to draw other people into the kingdom. And so, 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 so we have to watch, like, attaching ourselves to just what seems like advocates. Because um, some advocates don't always expect others' choices. Sometimes people only look through the lenses of their cause, not through the lenses of God's word. And so you can miss some things. Because in our culture, people are, in one breath, people are fighting for being unfairly singled out, but are looking for concessions that single them out. It's an oxymoron. You know what I'm saying? I'm looking, I'm fighting because I believe I'm unfairly being singled out, but I'm looking for concessions that single me out. Right, it's, it's, it's just double-minded thinking. So ask, we have to ask ourselves, in this process, is it the doctrine of Christ or the doctrine of, I don't want to look bad? Which one is it? So as, 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 you, as we're representing Christ, because we've been learning a lot of word here, as we're representing Christ, we're going to be in situations where we may feel shame. But the Bible says you get double for your shame. It's Isaiah 61, I believe 7 or whatever. Um, 6 and 7. Well, I'll just read to amplify. We'll end with this. Isaiah 61, verses 6 and 7, classic amplify version. It says, you shall be called the priest of the Lord. Ain't that something? People will speak of you as ministers of our God. You shall eat the wealth of nations and the, and the glory. Once that of your captors shall be yours. Instead of your former shame, you shall have twofold recompense. Instead of dishonor and reproach, your people shall rejoice in their portion. Therefore, in their land, they shall they shall possess double what they have forfeited. Ever, everlasting joy shall be theirs. And so as we're sharing the gospel, there's things that we forfeit. As we're representing God, there's things that we don't chase after because we're chasing after the king. But it's saying for your shame. So, that, so, so we may put ourselves in a situation that may be humiliating and embarrassing because we are representing God. But God's saying, I got you covered. 
you receive double for your shame. You don't, you never lose putting God first. Never lose. But there's a strong possibility you'll lose if, if you don't put him first. Some of the things that we're putting first, right? And so, so I just wanted to set, just like I told you the other week, uh, well, Sunday, set a foundation for what we're going to talk about. But we're going to get into uh, Pastor Melody, I mean, boldness. We're going to get into boldness, <laughs> you know, um, and you'll see how if you really press into God, boldness is something you do, as we were talking about Sunday, as a default. It's not something that you have to go into your head to decide. It's something that's triggered all the time. You find yourself in situations where you can't help it. You have to share the truth. You have to talk about the gospel. Right? And again, but it's not, you know, I have a young man. He's, uh, he grad- was it? so would he be a freshman this year? Might be a freshman. Eighth grade, getting the word, going to school. He's blasting them kids, man. <laughs> he's, you know, eighth graders, he's just blasting them. He's, we would talk each week. He's like, well, I don't understand. Why they acting this, that, and the other? So I said, listen, I said, it's not just what you're sharing, sharing, but it's also your package. I said, so are you trying to win them or chase them away? I said, so what happens is I said, there's, you got to let, you got to take all you know, offer it to the Holy Spirit, and let the Holy Spirit speak through you because he speaks everybody's language. You're just speaking your language from your understanding based on your knowledge, and everybody's not going to absorb that. But the Holy Spirit will package it in a way where they can receive and they can understand. Right? So, so I said, your passion is on it. Now we need to offer that passion to the Holy Spirit and let him use you. But right now, there's so much zeal. You're, you're almost, like he's almost, he was getting mad at him. So you're, and he was coming in mad, you know, like coming in. You, almost like you're going to hell <laughs> for such and such. Like, like, you know, and these kids are eighth graders, so they don't even know at that point. You know, so they're just like, and he was, man, he was much, he was smarter than the average eighth grader. And I loved his zeal, so we just kind of walked through how to let the Lord use him, you know, to speak the truth in love, not just the truth. You know, because he was armed with the truth, but the love part, you know, he had to grow to get, you know, I mean, what, 13-year-old, you know what I'm saying? So he wasn't, so I didn't come at him like, what's wrong with you? You know, I just gave him some angles because that's how I was, you know. Once I, once I realized the connection was Jesus, everything was Jesus. You know, God talked to me, uh, he's working at a job, he says, I feel like I'm helping people. You ain't helping nobody, you know, just because you helped them to get a, a, a loan or a house. No, no, you need to give Jesus, you know, man, I, you know, you probably watch it this, this day. It's like, yeah, I remember that. You know, well, I lost your number, so I didn't tell you when I got the revelation <laughs> that, that that day. I, I, I was so fire on fire, I kind of overwhelmed the guy. I know I did, you know. I've overwhelmed a lot of people in my day. You know what I'm saying? I was learning too. All right, that's enough for the day. All right, uh, just... Uh, you know, coming out, just the timing coming out of fast is just perfect. 
You know, we had to set ourselves apart to hear from God. Had some good messages last week. And uh, I think this is perfect for us to, you know, in our sober, clear mind to recognize what we need to do. You know, so we can, you know, stop cheating God from his platforms. They're not our platforms. They're his. Right? Give God back his platforms. Right? Some, some of God's platforms is our family. Some of them is our jobs. Right? Or hobbies, things like that, you know. And so now, most of us that may be either on purpose or will say, just by default, we spend a lot of time away from people. You have to take advantage of the opportunity of being around people. All right? Some of us running from people because people carry truth. <laughs> you know, I stay away from people because nobody, nobody question what I'm doing or hold me accountable, right? So, so we got to work on that, right? Because right? you're running from people you could be ministering to. But then some people, because of certain circumstances, they're just not around people. You might work from home, stuff like that. But you engage people, you talk to people. Got to give you windows. You got Tanya talking to people, the bill collectors. <laughs> about what church you go to? I go to Edge Christian. <laughs> Boy, I wish I, Ed, you got to record some of those conversations so we could use it, <laughs> right? But, but, but again, some of us have mastered that. But we have to master family too, you know, and you have so many, I got so many different family. You know, I'll be asking questions, man. Like, if I, if I hear there, I can say this because I'm not going to say the name. But, you know, I heard somebody was in a, a how can I put it this way, a compromising lifestyle situation. We talked about it. I said, well, okay, well, this, this, this is the dominant communication about you. And then we talked through it. You know, some of it nobody really asked the person, so they didn't know what their reality really was. They just assumed, and it was easy to just step back and talk about the person and talk to the person. I met somebody, I hadn't seen him in a long time before, um, I mean, Pastor Mel got together with this young lady that uh, in high school with, uh, that we was cool, but I went to another high school. I, I, I transferred to another high school, so ran into her, but the, the rumor was she was homosexual. Well, this is my first conversation talking to her. What do you think the first thing I talked about? No, I asked the rumor is you're homosexual. <laughs> but I didn't come out of like, man, I heard you. No, I just said, so, so, so this is what the narrative is. Let's talk about it. And then she talked through um, an abuse that she had been through uh, with, a, with a guy. And this person was there for... Uh, you know, kind of Johnny on the spot, this young lady, and we, we kind of talked through it. But that's me. No pink elephants. So, so we're going to have to be able to have these conversations. I've sat in a situation, hey, how long you been smoking? You ever thought about not smoking? And then we was able to talk about some ways the person can stop smoking. I've done that with strangers. 
randomly. All right? God will give you wisdom. I'll just ask these questions to y'all. I ask questions to all types of people. But see, now I'm not coming in as, like, what's wrong with you? I'm coming in, let me find where you are. That was going to open the door for me to share what I know. But if I'm just pacifying and advocating or excusing where they are, so I don't have to talk about the thing that's uncomfortable to them. Is that about them or about me? It's about me. But do you care enough to find wisdom to help people to Jesus? That's all. That's all we're saying, right? That's all we're saying. And you, hey, if my family, the people you see from time to time coming here or friends, you can ask them. Ask them about Keith. They'll tell you how I'm in church is how I'm out there. And they'll tell you I'm not beating nobody up, but I'm going to tell you the truth. <laughs> I don't care what the situation is. Hey, I'm not going to beat you up, but we're going to have to talk about it. All right, we good? 